0: Every time a missile misses its target, a train derails, or a faulty airbag fails to save a life, we wonder whether these failures, which can sometimes reach catastrophic proportions, are caused by a counterfeit part that may have infiltrated the supply chain. Welcome to People to People, working together for your safety with host Stan Salat Jr. Stan has the answers to your questions on protecting yourself and the safety of your loved ones, including your pets. Don't miss out. Now, here is Stan Salat. Hello
1: and welcome to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat, Jr. Our show show today is all about cybersecurity, protecting ourselves. Today's world is more interconnected than ever before. Our daily life, economic vitality, and national security depend on a stable, safe, and resilient cyberspace we rely on this vast array of networks to communicate and travel, power our homes, run our economy, and provide government services. Yet according to the Department of Homeland Security, cyber intrusions and attacks have increased dramatically over the last decade, exposing sensitive personal and business information, disrupting critical operations and imposing high-cost on the U.S. economy. Cybersecurity is a shared responsibility and each of us has a role to play in making it safer, more secure and resilient. Today's show will cover some of the issues, concerns that various stakeholders have, the data that is at risk, and how things like counterfeit chips can be employed to introduce cyber breaches. My guest today, Sam Siaka and Aaron Asen, will address the issue of cybersecurity as it is related to electric utilities and making consumer purchasing decisions that exclude the potential of putting ourselves and our companies at risk. As we get started today, I'd like to thank our sponsors that make this show possible. Business and Quality Process Management, LLC. BQPM provides business process and quality management consulting, training, and software tools. Please take a few minutes and check them out at bqpm.com. We also are sponsored by Secure Components, LLC, an independent distributor specializing in obsolete and hard-to-find components. Secure Components is the first company in the world to achieve international certification for their counterfeit detection and mitigation process controls. Their IECQ CAP certification was achieved in accordance with the SAE AS6081 standards. And those are international standards. You can find them at securecomponents.com. I'd also like to recognize the law firm of Goldberg-Sagala, who regularly contributes to the show. Today we have Mr. Aaron Asen, attorney with Goldberg-Sagala, joining us. And I'd like to give Aaron just a minute, if if he would, and uh, provide us with the normal legal disclaimers that uh, we need to have
2: in place here. Aaron? Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. The user, listener, re- and, or reader of this broadcast understands that the information provided by this radio internet broadcast website or any link from this website or any other social media is not nor is it intended to be legal advice and should not be used for any purpose. Every jurisdiction within the United States may have different variations of the law regarding your particular situation. The listener should consult with an attorney for individual advice tailored to his or her particular situation. Any information you obtain from this radio internet broadcast website or link from this website does not create an attorney-client relationship with me or any other attorney, agent, and or employee of Goldberg-Sagala LLP. Please do not send any confidential or privileged information to anyone at Goldberg-Sagala Goldberg-Sagala will not assume any liability or responsibility for it. And I might parenthetically add that my comments on this show are my own and do not represent the views of Goldberg-Sagala.
1: Thank you, Aaron, for, uh, for that. And um, i like to jump right in here now. My first guest, uh, well, not my first guest, actually my one of my guests, Sam um, Siaka. Sam is the CEO of SCS Consulting, LLC. He is a registered professional engineer with more than 25 years' experience in all aspects of electric utility operations, both domestic and international. Uh, he has a broad past. Uh, I'm sorry. He is past board member of the IEEE Standards Association and serves as a current member of the U.S. National Committee of the International Electrotechnical Commission. Sam, your resume goes on and it's extremely impressive, but I want to go ahead and welcome you to the show and we'll cover some of the rest of it as we go.
3: Thank you, Stan. And I'm looking forward this afternoon of uh, discussing with you, Aaron, and the listeners um, a little bit about what's going on in cybersecurity, particularly in the operational aspects of electric utilities and this big and fascinating thing that we call smart grid.
1: And I understand. In looking at your uh, your background, that that includes your experiences in China, India, Korea, Japan, Europe. Uh, you've pretty much been involved in this worldwide. It looks like.
3: Uh, yes, it's it's not unique to um, North America. It's a growing concern in virtually every part of the world, and it and it pretty much mirrors how the industry is changing how technology is changing, um, very much um, paralleling what we see in financial transactions and doing things over the Internet. And as you mentioned in the um, uh, in the front piece, um, the overall concern of keeping things on the network and through vast communication channels safe and secure and private.
1: Well, thank you. I'd also like to introduce Aaron Asen. Aaron uh, is an attorney at Goldberg Zagala, as you note from f- his comments just a minute ago, uh, who focuses his practice on cyber risk and social media, regulatory manners, and insurance and reinsurance, reassurance, rather issues. He writes on a variety of regulatory issues and has co-authored papers on cyber risk and cyber liability for prestigious federation, for the prestigious Federation of Defense and Corporate Counsel. And again, uh, Aaron's uh, biography and background goes on extensively. Welcome to the show, Aaron.
2: Thanks, Dan. Again, it's really great to be here and to talk about this very timely and very, very important topic.
1: Yeah, we certainly appreciate both you and Sam being on the show. And... you know, my listeners are very interested in what's going on in the world, and we try and provide them with things they don't generally hear on the typical media channels. Uh, and with that, I'd like to uh, start with Sam. And, Sam, what led you to get involved with this thing called cybersecurity?
3: Well, Stan, um, I've been involved in electric utilities and electric utility automation for about 25 years, and just as it has occurred with every other segment of the industry, for about the past 10 to 15 years, the electric utility operational side of the business has been taking advantage of communications, um, wireless communications um, Ethernet, um, Internet throughout, the, uh, throughout their uh, electric grid, and also the use of a lot more electronics in remote communications. So the things that are today enabling us to do remote bill payment and check online for things and, and making remote financial transactions are allowing the electric utilities to control power, control quality of power, read meters, and react to contingencies that occur on the network. Um, The natural outcome from this is that doing these things remotely and over communication networks has introduced a cybersecurity concern that probably wasn't there 10 to 15 years ago. And that concern continues to grow as the communications grow and the reliance on those communications for both quality of power and privacy of information um, continues to expand.
1: Interesting. And I assume, uh, Aaron, as we're talking about this, that expansion and growth is also raising some uh, potential legal issues?
2: Absolutely and it's not just from one direction either you have legal issues that can come from customers from regulators from even law enforcement it's it, it, it comes it, it, it encapsulates almost everything that they have to deal with and it's very difficult to you know one of the problems also with this particular area is that there's a there's a mantra that says not if but when uh-huh and so everybody has to assume that they are going to get hit at some point by someone and whether that's an inadvertent leaving a laptop full of full of customer data in a taxi cab or on a train to a malicious hacker everybody has everybody's under siege from in this particular area and so trying to trying to get your head around it trying to Mitigated and trying to come up with an appropriate response is is absolutely essential in order to, in some cases, actually preserve your business.
1: Interesting, uh, Sam. If you could now, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about a different aspect of the cybersecurity, or if you will, as you pointed out in your early comment, the smart grid or the maybe the not-so-smart grid, whichever you want to think about it. But just, just kind of give the audience, if you would, a context for just how big is this uh, situation we're facing.
3: Well, there's a, there's a couple of things that perhaps could give the audience a, a sense of this. Um, number one, um, the thing that actually keeps all the lights on and controls the power is, is an extremely large and sophisticated engine, many, many parts working in, um, in concert with each other. And, and electricity is a unique commodity and service um, from almost any other one that I know in that it is produced, transported, and consumed simultaneously. There are no delays. There are no lags. So if you look at the country and you look at the, the grid and, and the things that control this, um, there are approximately 150,000 of these control points in North America. Every one of these control points is a potential cyber security risk, some larger, some smaller, depending on the criticality. But all of these produce a or introduce a entry point for either intentional or unintentional cyber incidents to interrupt the power. The other aspect is that many of your listeners today have probably begun to be introduced to smart meters. These are meters designed to send information back from their individual residents, or their business to, A, allow the utilities to understand what is going on um, more closely, and, B, to actually have an interactive communication or an interactive dialogue with these users, which can indicate to cut back on power or, or reduce load for some period of time, given another contingency that has taken place. And we look to these technologies to introduce some of the things like solar photovoltaic cells and wind power to make them a part of the grid to give us a greater um, ecological balance to our use of electricity. So if you can think of those 150,000 control points and then the more than 100 million meters that are are just in the United States alone you can begin to get a sense of just how big the problem is
1: and aren't they also talking about or have already uh, begun using uh, power lines as a part of the internet grid itself where they're actually transmitting internet uh, traffic over power lines
3: Yes, they are. In some places, they are transmitting it through the power lines. In other cases, it is going through the what we'll call it the the open internet aspects of the um, uh, of their internet service providers into the homes. In some cases, it's wireless uh, communications. really, every mode of communications up to and including tin can and strings are, are being used <laughs> for, um, for utility communications. And, and there, again, is a challenge because in many cases, not all of those communication pathways have been locked down or have been designed with the type of security that we would like to see.
1: I've got to believe that that can create a tremendous... Uh I'd like to say challenge, but it's probably uh, verging on opportunity for the legal community as well.
2: Well, it <laughs> you, know, one, you know, one of one of the things that that's always kind of a challenge here, and, and I think, and I, I think, I think, I mean, you're definitely going to see this, and and Sam kind of alluded to it just a minute ago. Is really what we're talking about here is information and protecting information and not and not just any information but information who really that really kind of identifies who we are for all kinds of reasons whether it be credit cards getting a mortgage or whatever it might be things that identity thieves would love to learn and when you have all this information that's just kind of flying around almost willy-nilly with few safeguards or anything to really stop somebody from going in and accessing it then you then companies and and others can find themselves running afoul of different types of, of, of consumer protection laws, um, a variety of state statutes, it's and federal statutes. It's just it's it creates kind of a, a legal nightmare for them if if they don't take this seriously and really find a way to try to protect it. But again, as I said before, you have the problem that it's not if but when. Somebody's right. going to get it. So how do you how do you how do you effectively deal with that? And I'm not I'm I think there's there's a lot of efforts being made towards that end, um, but it's it's always something to keep an eye on.
1: Okay, Aaron, uh, let's um, let's pick back up on that when we come back. We're going to take a uh, short break for radio identification and to acknowledge our sponsors. We'll be back in just a minute. Please uh, stay tuned.
4: Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in your brains firing really fast.
0: All the time. The number one internet talk station where
4: your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484 222 5195
0: Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy from new clothing, cars, toys, power cords and charging units to your garden hose and the drywall in your home? Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity and diabetes which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products. Yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. This is People to People, Working for Your Safety, if you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salot at ecccorp.org. Again, that's stan.salot, S-A-L-O-T, at ecccorp.org. Now, back to People to People.
1: Welcome back to People to People, Working Together for Your Safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat, Jr., our show today Cybersecurity Protecting Ourselves. As I mentioned before, today's world is more interconnected than ever before. Our daily life, economy, vitality, and national security depend on a stable, safe, and resilient cyberspace. I have with me Sam and Aaron, uh, who have been talking with us about the, their involvement in cybersecurity. And uh, both from a legal standpoint and a regulatory uh, or a standards and development uh, area. Welcome back, Sam and Aaron.
3: Thank you, Stan. Thanks.
1: Um, I'd like to kind of pick up where we left off and uh, continue the discussion on some of the legal aspects of cybersecurity. And I'm I'm quick to realize that with internet and with the uh, the whole issue of having this information uh, in my own experience and some of the work I do, I've talked to folks uh, directly from like Samsung and LG, uh, Whirlpool, the makers of appliances, and they talk about the interconnectivity through the power grid that provides or potentially would provide a tremendous amount of of knowledge that could be used for everything from what groceries do i need to buy to um, you know how do i use my washer and dryer at the best possible time to take advantage of of the uh... power available available power or uh... the power grid balancing uh, I've got to believe, uh, Aaron, that this opens a tremendous door for the potential issues of knowledge being shared when it wasn't intended to be.
2: Oh, absolutely! I think that's a that's a challenge that I think is permeating our society as as a whole. I mean, when you stop and think about the types of things that we put on Facebook or LinkedIn, just the inadvertent stuff that we just put out there. There are there are certain types of information. <clears throat> that are protected by law. We call it personally identifiable information. And these are things such as names, birth dates, social security numbers, all things to identify us as an individual and that we use for a wide variety of purposes. But when you start getting into well how often does somebody run their washing machine, well, that's you know that's that's a very different question. I'm not sh- I'm not sh- one, one, one problem or one challenge when we talk about the law and we talk about technology period is that the law always tends to lag behind technology. And so it's very difficult to to really talk about, you know, well what do we do with this? What do we do with that? There are certain things that the law does recognize, but there's a lot of information that the law really doesn't recognize because it really hasn't gotten to that point yet. So how the law will choose to interpret that particular information in terms of privacy concerns and and who can have it and for what purposes is still in in a lot of cases a very open question
1: i i already see it in my own world where i go and do a search for a particular thing on the internet and you know within minutes i'm getting um, marketed if you will for all things related so if i'm I, for the sake of uh, something to talk about if I if I go looking for a new refrigerator uh, the likes of Google and and other search engines then start picking up on that and providing a, uh, a plethora if you will of just general advertisement it's it's become the new advertisement world well and
2: that and you know that kind of goes back to so what we were talking about a little bit earlier we we're voluntarily putting this, out there, I mean, the the idea that anything is private anymore, especially in in settings where we're voluntarily um, releasing information, creates a real creates a real um, dilemma for us to try to work our way through. I mean, do, does anybody reasonably expect that they have some expectation of privacy? Not anymore. <laughs> when you're on, you know, when you're on Facebook and you're putting all this information out there, now you can sit there and say, "Well, there's privacy settings, and you know, there's this and there's that," but it's still it it it's almost to the point where it is so a part of who we are as a society that we almost forget that it's even an issue anymore. It's we, we just put information out there so freely that the the concept of privacy as we know it seems to almost is almost being fundamentally rewritten
1: yeah Sam um, knowing that you're working on this both nationally and internationally and working as I understand on standards and and the uh, management of all this uh, how do how do our, how is that community looking at this particular issue, or are they yet
3: oh absolutely um the the issue is huge and in fact. Internationally, there's already been some backlash um, over the uh, the matter of information developing from uh, that's being developed from smart meters and and a couple of um, countries have actually um, begun drafting laws associated with this. Um, the problem seems to stem from the fact that while we all subject ourselves to a lot of um, shall I call it invasion by using smartphones and location and browsing, the electric meter does, has no opt-out. In other words, the data that's being developed is being given involuntarily. And, and, and the data is, is pretty um, interesting. Um, one utility that did a pilot project said just by noticing power usage patterns in the home They could tell when people left for work, whether they had children in the home, what time they came home from school, what ages they were. Um, and, And then perhaps a little more ominously, they could look down and see that a thermostat was set back for the next two weeks, meaning that nobody was there at the home. And the ability or the inability for the consumer to opt out such as they can opt out by not using their their cell phone, they can opt out not going on Facebook, but they can't change how they use electricity and what information is being gathered. This seems to be resonating with people as a bit more invasive um, or or, or ominous. As I said, there are some countries that have already stopped their um, smart meter um, projects until they can figure out how um, as Aaron put it, how how they can get technology, or I should say the legal aspect, to catch up to technology and provide um, those safeguards. Um, there is another aspect, too, as far as who owns the information. There's already been one situation where an electric utility was gathering the information, and then a third party power provider petitioned their regulatory agencies and said, that the utility holding that data has an undue competitive advantage, and they want access to the information. And after a lot of wrangling and paper filing and and, and various hearings, um, it was found on behalf, I should say, in favor of the third-party company. So information that the electric utilities never intended to release and perhaps it represented to their customers that it was only for internal use was now out in the general public, so um, this is going to continue to be a, um, a, a growing concern and, um, and and how the courts and how the state regulatory bodies are going to catch up to it. Um, I think perhaps Aaron's probably got a better picture than I do on that well i don't you know that
2: one of the one of the challenges that we that we do have in this country is the fact that we do have fifty separate Regular, you know, we fifty different, fifty separate states, and then by the time you count the District of Columbia and the territories, we just ha- we have different jurisdictions who are going to be at different points along the way. I I might parenthetically add because this is actually a very timely subject. Um, next week on February thirteenth, the National Institutes of Standard and Technology is expected to publish um, the Cybersecurity Framework version 1.0, and I think this is an attempt. This, by the way, this derives from an executive order that President Obama issued last year. But it's it's kind of an attempt, at least in part, to kind of bring together this these disparate pieces, this, and kind of come together with come together and and create a a kind of unified plan for how to deal with a lot of these issues. But it's still it's still going to take some time, I think, before we really see a comprehensive and a cohesive framework for dealing with a lot of these issues. And when you start adding in the elements of things like federalism and and, and state autonomy, it's it, it will make it challenging if the states decide to push back.
1: It's all extremely interesting, and with uh, some of the work that I've been doing in counterfeit, um, I hate to say it, but it actually makes it even more scary if with the potential if you would of uh, the hardware being built with what I would have it's called the Trojan horses, if you will, but the the electronics that's in the equipment potentially getting sabotaged or if you will manipulated such that it opens the communication to anybody else that would want it. And to me, that's a terribly scary part of the cybersecurity that we face as we go forward. The, the, the whole idea of it opening doors to, of information, information flowing to places we really don't even know it's flowing.
3: Yeah, Stan, you just... you're 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 right about that. and and there's already been a couple of incidents um, uh, along those lines in one that um, uh, that's a public knowledge and the FBI was looking at. Um, the maker um, of the one of these smart meters um, had a uh, had what we refer to as a back door into the meter. Um, All right. uh, whether intentionally there, unintentionally. Um, I I don't know, but the point is that there was a way for someone to get into the meter um, that wasn't authorized, and what happened was um, the information became known, um, people got into the meters, and then through some kind of financial arrangement with the owner of the meter, or I should say where the meter was attached, uh, manipulated those meters to register less power than was actually being used.
1: I Um, remember that one.
3: Yep. When it was yeah. finally um, discovered, and the magnitude was um, uh, was uh, collated, if you will, um, they figured the utility lost about four hundred million dollars a year for three years. Um, the other The other case is that as we begin to put in more internet type equipment in the electric utility substations to control them, the issues that you brought up early in this discussion come to mind, whether there's a chip in there that's opening up the communications to another uh, port to another user. Um, and again, um, a very large vendor of switches and routers marketing to the electric utility uh, discovered just such a um, a port opening in their device. Um, and the recall on the equipment was, was massive in terms of dollars. How much data was missed or is now in the hands of someone else, uh, impossible to say.
2: Uh, All right. Yeah, if I could also mention one other thing in, in addition to the technological end, I think one other problem that, that we face generally as a society is one of general attitude about this subject. And a, lot of, a lot of people tend to have, tend to either not worry about it because they think it's not something that can happen to them, or they think it's somebody else's responsibility. I mean, if you go into, if you were to go into just your, just your average company and ask right. them who's in charge of cybersecurity, they would probably almost always say the IT department. They're right. responsible for firewalls. They're responsible for this. They don't think that every time that they open an email with an attachment... They could be the ones who are letting in the Trojan horse, or letting in what you know, or providing information. I mean, there there was a situation with one business where some where an employee got a phone call, and it was from the IT department, and they said, you know, we're having trouble with your computer. Please provide your username and password to verify. Now, fortunately, this employee was on their toes, but it's really that simple. A lot of times hackers don't even need to worry about technology when they can just go to the people who aren't really even paying attention and looking for it.
1: It is, it is, um, from one perspective it's extremely interesting and and from another obviously it's a bit scary but the reality that everything is potentially out there and is uh, available for the taking Um, certainly is going to challenge us all going forward uh, without a question. Um, Sam, I I assume specifically to to standards, you're involved in the development of standards to try and manage this or put in place uh, specifications as I understand?
3: Yes. Um, There's a couple of fronts that we're working on. One is standards on the encryption of data going back and forth, Um, where where utilities used to rely on private communication facilities and never had to worry about encryption. Um, This is one area that standards are evolving. Um, Another area is on the device itself to make sure that we don't have counterfeit chips in there, that we don't have um, improper firmware loaded, that we... um, uh, that, that the utilities manage these devices so that okay. those things are not introduced. Um, and the third is is just providing cybersecurity um, guidelines and rules, um, not to leave manuals lying around, not to have passwords stuck on Post-it notes on the sides <laughs> of equipment. Things but like mean, me, that that, that we, been we've looking all in my done in our, before, but <laughs> now recognizing the stakes are this high, um, all of that needs to get locked down as well, as much as the technology.
1: Hey, you, must be, you must be looking at my office. Uh, gentlemen, let's uh, <laughs> let's take a break and bring this back up when we, when we come back from our break. Um, we're going to step away for station identification. We'll be right back with you. Please don't go away.
0: Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products. Yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit, HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll free 877-415-0191 bqpm.com Together we are working for your safety.
4: Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484 222 The Internet's number one talk
0: station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat.com at ecccorp.org again that's stan.salot. s a l o t at ecccorp.org now back to people to people
1: welcome back to people to people working together for your safety i'm your host Stan salot junior our show today cybersecurity protecting ourselves as I've said before, today's world is more interconnected than ever before. Our daily life, economic vi- vitality, and national security depend on a stable, safe, and resilient cyberspace. We've been talking with Sam and Aaron uh, about the their, the various aspects of cyberspace. And just before the break, uh, Aaron was about to comment, and I'd like to... Um, um, bring you back in, Aaron, and uh, your thoughts.
2: Just going back to something that, uh, that Sam said earlier um, about the, the different things taking place in, um, in term, like leaving passwords around. One of the areas that companies can get in trouble with um, legally, both from consumers and from the government, is a lot of the lawsuits and a lot of the enforcement actions tend to focus on whether or not the company... Business or organization is doing it. Whether they're doing enough to protect the information that they have. So, for example, the Federal Trade Commission under uh, has enforces what they call Section Five of the Federal Trade Commission Act, which governs uh, unfair practices and deceptive practices. And so, if they believe that a company is are doing things that are patently unfair to consumers, and there's tests and it would take way too long to go into it right now, right. but, you know, they will they will investigate. Consumer, right after the Target um, breach, <laughs> several lawsuits were filed alleging very similar things that Target didn't do enough to protect their interests. Now, whether or not there's any credibility to these actions or not, I'm not going to comment on. We're going to let, right. you know, we'll let the process take care of it, run its course. But the point is, though, is that there's still an investigation and there's still a lawsuit. And so there's still issues that the company is going to need to deal with in terms of defending themselves against that and and it, it can create a mess.
1: Yeah, I as, as I was almost jokingly saying that Sam must have been looking at my office um, I do have a bad habit of putting some of my passwords up on my the sticky notes on my monitor in part because I'm terribly good at having good passwords but how can you remember a 16-18 character password? So I I can clearly see how a company can get in trouble by not doing what it says, and its yes. people not doing what they say.
3: So so speaking to that, Stan, security uh, the concept of security is uh, frequently uses the term um, security in depth, and there's and there's many different aspects to it. Um, your your, your password stuck on the side of your monitor, like many of us have, are somewhat safe because you've got your monitor presumably locked up in your office and nobody can get in there. Um, right. However, what are the problems that we face in the interconnected community are that these facilities now come into... Um, exposure to the public, now, whether it's a, an electric utility substation that may have many different people going in and out of them in the course of normal business, or just an unmanned location someplace where somebody could break in and may not even be discovered that the place has been broken into for, for days or weeks. So all, right. all of those elements need to be taken into consideration in the design of a cyber security program. The physical security, the electronic security, the procedural security. And Aaron's right that that the failure of that is going to be looked at very carefully and scrutinized not only in legal courts, but in scrutinized in in the area of public opinion as to whether their companies have done all that they need to do. Um, okay. Yep.
1: Yeah. In... In about 30, 30 seconds, how, how do you think this will change the way things are done in the future? In 30 seconds. In 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm going to put you to a test here.
3: Um, I think what will happen is um, we're going to look, as, as, as a population, we're going to look far more closely at the cost-benefit ratio, uh, or I should say maybe the risk-benefit ratio, of what is being gained by using all of these um, uh, conveniences, if you will, um, against what the possible risks are. Um, We use many, many conveniences, um, but we haven't really done a risk-benefit ratio because we don't know what can possibly be lost. Things like the target... um, example now, are bringing this to mind that there is a risk every time we go in and we run a card, particularly if we used a debit card. So people are becoming more and more sensitive to this.
1: Okay. And Aaron, um, I had two different questions, and I'm not sure which one is uh, the best to ask, but um, I guess I'll go to the the last one, which uh, does credit card and personal information uh, does the theft of that fall into cybersecurity laws, or is that somewhere
2: else? It it does, um, and but it can. When we refer to cybersecurity laws, though, it really falls in. You know, cybersecurity laws kind of is a. I guess we might say it's a, a an informal catch-all for a lot of different, diverse areas of law, whether it be consumer protection or again, Section Five of the Federal Trade Commission Act. It's so depending on depending on what's happening with the information, depending on you know who's being investigated, whether you know is it you know is it is it the is it the merchant or is it the bank or you know it's going to depend. The the banking regulators have something to say about this. Um, the FTC has something to say about this. State regulators have something to say about this. So it just kind of depends on the context, but in general. If using kind of the catch-all, absolutely.
1: Okay. Well, I'd like to thank both... Uh, well, Sam, first, uh, thank you very much for your uh, your participation today and your thoughts.
3: Stan, it's my pleasure. I, I hope that the audience... Um, doesn't, uh, doesn't go running and screaming from the 21st century of technology because over a course of time we'll, we'll figure out how to deal with these things and we'll figure out how to apply them to even greater technologies coming down the road, for example, like vehicle-to-vehicle communications, which could save lives on a, on a tremendous scale. But again, we'll raise that issue of making sure that those communications are safe and secure.
1: Uh, very well said. And I, I was going to bring that one up. I read something today about uh, smart vehicles that uh, can talk to us. Again, thank you. And Aaron, I'd like to also thank you and Goldberg Segalov for your uh, contributions today as well.
2: Absolutely, it's been uh, it's been a great experience. And I just want to echo everything Sam said. It's it it, it is a little bit scary um, to think about all the things that are happening with breaches and information, but. It, it, it has a positive benefit. I think, I think the hardest part of all of this will be us as a society really kind of taking stock as to what this is, as to what it is that we're dealing with here and how we can be wise in, in managing this information and wise in what we do and wise with the information that we put out to the public. But it, it is. It, it's a bright future. We just need to learn how to manage it a little bit better.
1: You're absolutely right. And uh, hopefully we can uh, have both of you back on at another show and talk about this a little further as we learn more and and understand better how all of this is coming together and working. Um, I'd like to remind the audience that the show we we are doing is meant to bring people together to share knowledge and create a safer environment for us all. And as with today's show, as Sam and uh, Aaron have both pointed out, while technology t- continues to go forward, we're building and learning how to do things in uh, more 21st, 22nd century ways in communication and sharing. Uh, we also need to be cognizant of the risk associated with it determine how best to manage that and one of those ways is we hope through this show uh... sharing that knowledge with the audience helping them understand what is happening uh... both on a national and an international level and allowing them to make their own decisions we also would like to invite our listening audience to send us emails uh, Present their questions. We can definitely bring folks that are on the show back uh, to address those questions directly or address them in individual emails as appropriate. We have started the uh, StanSlot.com website. I actually created my own website to. Share knowledge and invite people to check that out, www.stansalot.com. You can send your questions in through there. Uh, Let us know what it is that you find important, what you're learning from the show, what you would like to uh, have us address in the future. There's also two other programs, if you will, that we're working with, and one of those is the Hazardous Substance-Free Mark Alliance. That is a, uh, a, an organization, if you will, that's all about toxic-free products, particularly in the consumer industry, where we're working hard with uh, suppliers to address the lead, the cadmium, the hexylvania chromate, and the various other Uh, toxic substances that one finds in products today and ensure that uh, they are properly manufactured and built uh, in a safe way. We also work with the Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance. This organization is, for uh, all things counterfeit, or if you will, anti-counterfeit, uh, looking to ensure that the products that we're uh, buying in stores, uh, the components that we're using in um, various repair programs are, in fact, safe. They're not counterfeit. Uh, also, like to recognize our sponsors, Business and Quality Process Management, LLC. BQPM provides business process and quality management consulting, training, and software tools. Please uh, check them out at www.bqpm.com, as well as Secure Components, another of our sponsors, an independent distributor specializing in obsolete, hard to find components. Secure Components is the first company in the world to achieve international certification for their counterfeit detection and mitigation process controls. Their IECQ CAP certification was achieved in accordance with the SAE AS 6081 standard. You can find them at securecomponents.com. Um, also, and last if, uh, if not least, we need to recognize the supporting staff that make this show possible. Uh, from Voice America, we have Brandy Jackson, the general manager, Robert Cellino, our executive producer, Randy Jackman, production manager, Jeff Jestel, director of host services, Brooke Ida, marketing and social media. Also, Yulia Coach, Coach Branding and People-to-People Production Manager. I'd like to thank the listeners for tuning in and remind you all that you can make a difference in the fight against hazardous substance, counterfeit products, and cyber security by being involved, by listening, talking, and sharing information and experience Experiences. This is Stan Salat, your host, signing off for today. Have a wonderful day, and we look forward to seeing you again next week.
0: Thank you for listening. Please join host Stan Salat, Jr. for next week's edition of People to People, Working for Your Safety. We'll have another show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a safe Toxic and counterfeit free week.